thank you, praise band. Good job. Good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, Thomas, I mean, he looked so good. And then you just went back to that. You know, I was thinking if you really wanted to look like me, you'd have to get a little Rogaine, roll it on your head a little bit, see if you get some hair growth, stimulate some hair growth. Um, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to look like you today. I'll take this off. I'll take my tie off. Maybe I could wear like a bro tank right now or something like that. Keep it, you know, nice and relaxed look. I haven't uh, stood in front of church like this in a long time without a tie on. I feel a little naked, a little awkward. Anyway, well, hey, good morning, West Bowles Church. Um, I feel uh, honored and privileged uh, to be preaching today and um, to be a part of the summer speaker series. Uh, it was so good to hear um, from the wisdom of Margaret Feinberg last week. Uh, I mean, if you haven't read one of her books yet, you need to go home today Go online, buy one of her books. They're absolutely amazing and inspirational. And uh, yeah, she has a lot of books, a lot of Bible studies. I really enjoyed her Sacred Echo book. It's awesome. Check it out. Anyway, uh, well, uh, so over the next few weeks, uh, we will uh, be hearing from a lot of different people here in the pulpit. Uh, next week, we'll be hearing from Bill Armstrong. I mean, wow, how exciting. Somebody who has actually walked on the moon is going to be sharing this, you know, next week. No, I'm just kidding. That's Neil Armstrong. Bill Armstrong, uh, he is the president of CCU, and he is, uh, and he is the former, uh, he's a former senator and congressman. So we're excited to hear from him next week. Uh, next week, we have Danny Ortley which is also going to be awesome. He's a famous uh, Christian musician. Can't wait to hear from him. Um, I'm thinking maybe uh, about going on tour with him. I mean, because I can play the saxophone. He can play, you know, the guitar. And we can tour the world together. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that good at the saxophone. And then um, to finish up the series, we have Dan Sarian, who is the principal at Front Range and married to Rebecca. And he's a West Bowles member. And uh, he's probably best known, or at least I know him best, as the guy who got up here on a Sunday morning and ripped on me for five straight minutes. Now, he says that it was part of the sermon. He said it was an illustration. But if you remember a couple years ago, he slaughtered me. He roasted me for five minutes. I'm going to get him back someday. I'm going to get him back. All right. But last Sunday afternoon... Uh, Dan told me, I'm so glad I don't have to follow Margaret Feinberg's message. And I said, thanks a lot, Dan. That's me. I'm up next. And he's like, oh, uh, sorry. Um, good luck. You know, thanks a lot, Dan. Well, I'm preaching today. And for those of you uh, that don't know me, my name is Ryan Long. And like Thomas said, I'm the community life director here. Um, I've been at this church since January of 1983. No, just kidding. 1994. I've been working here since 1996, and um, I love working here. I get to teach and preach. Mary Barry, I help lead the Stephen Ministry Program, uh, plan community events, and I do, like Thomas said, a lot of the professional counseling here too. So absolutely love it. Now, Thomas mentioned uh, the Rockies tickets. Make sure you buy them today. 
Uh, we really want everybody to go. Now, it's not about, you know, watching the Rockies play. It's about actually just hanging out together as a church family. So we really hope that you can come and join us. And uh, I don't know if all of you know this, but I used to play a lot of baseball. I mean, I played a lot of, a lot of baseball. Rec teams, compet- oh yeah, there I am. Oh, how cute. Rec teams, competitive, summer, you know, off-season, all-star Colorado teams. I played for nine years. And I remember going to the park with my dad, and he'd always be like, step and throw, you know, step and throw. He'd always say that. Or whenever I got up to bat, he'd always say, uh, like, shake, shake my butt. So that way I could, you know, be a little more relaxed when I get up to bat. You know, wiggle your butt, wiggle your butt. Um, again, it would loosen me, it relaxed me. Um, now, I really didn't have a problem getting on base. Why? Because, well, you know, sometimes I get beamed by the ball or I would just walk to first base because uh, my strike zone uh, was a little small. My strike zone might have been three inches by three inches. And, uh, you know, I, I was very little. To give you an idea of how small I was growing up, um, when I started high school, I was 4'9", 80 pounds. And when I started driving, no joke, I'm not joking right now, I actually had a pillow underneath my seat cover, a pillow that big, just so I could see over the steering wheel. So I was little, and when I was playing baseball, nobody could get, you know, get my strike zone. So they'd be trying so hard, the ball would like hit me in the arm, I'd just be like, oh, thanks, you know, just walk to first, or, you know, they'd throw four balls and I'd walk. Um, Now, I was a pretty good player, you know, I could make some good plays, I hustled, I could get on base, I could score. You know, come to think of it, I should just play for the Rockies. I could maybe make it on that team. No, I'm just kidding. But I tried out for the Chatfield Senior High baseball team my freshman year. I tried to make it on to the freshman team, and I didn't make the team. And I was disappointed. I was sad. This was one of the first times that I remember thinking, life's not fair. I was so sad. I played second, second base for nine straight years, and it didn't seem fair that the coach's son took my position on the team. And I thought I was better. You know, I thought, I'm a, I'm a better player than this guy, and I didn't think that it, was, that it was fair. It also doesn't seem fair that I'm so short. You know, it also doesn't seem fair that I'm so short and my last name is Long. I mean, what kind, of a, what kind of a cruel joke is that, God? Yeah, real sweet. Shortest guy we know, last name Long. It also doesn't seem fair that growing up, you can barely see it in this next picture, but I actually had a mullet uh, going. I had a flat top mullet. See, back next to that turtleneck, that's all hair. That's not the tree. Um, doesn't seem fair. I mean, those should be illegal. And also, it doesn't seem fair that I was born with a big, brown, hairy, birthmark right in the center of my forehead. Obviously, I had it removed. But when I didn't make the baseball team at that time, it didn't seem fair. It didn't seem to make sense. But I look back now, and I see God's timing, his purpose, his plan. When I didn't make the team, I started skiing. The first conversation I ever had about God was driving up to the mountains with a West Bulls 
youth group kid named Jim Grant. And to me, that just shows the power of just one conversation. Because he shared his faith with me 20-some years ago, and I still remember it to this day. And now also, without baseball, I had more time. And I started going to youth group with Brett Gothier right here at this church. So God has a plan. He's in control. How often do we hear life's not fair? I think it and hear it all the time. You know, why does, especially in my household, you know, with all my kids, you know, why does Gianna get $4 to, you know, mow the lawn? I only get $2 to pull the weeds. Or why does Lane get a bigger slice of cake? Or why doesn't Jagger have homework on the weekends? That's not fair. That's not fair. I hear it all the time. And what do we say as parents? Eh, life's not fair. So now my sermon today is titled, obviously, Life's Not Fair. And I'm going to propose three things um, for us to do when life doesn't seem to be fair. One, we realize. Two, we remember. And three, we recite. Now, number one, realize. I mean, this is, this is tough. This is crazy. This is going to blow your mind. It's going to be so awesome. I could just take the microphone, after I say it, take the microphone off, just walk out. I'm going to just be done. But you ready? Life's not fair. That's number one. Realize life's not fair. If we think life is supposed uh, to be fair, we will be gravely disappointed. Life here on this planet doesn't always seem to make sense, right? Why do good things happen to bad people, and why do bad things happen to good people? I have a neighbor, our, well, actually our next-door neighbor, and this happened last month, who was helping out one of his friends. He was giving her a place to live and food and trying to help her out, all these different things. She ended up getting drunk, stealing his truck, crashing it into a fence, and into some other cars too, and then stealing his stuff, robbing him. And you're like, what? He was just trying to be nice and to help her. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. How about when somebody gets a job promotion over us and we were better qualified or more deserving of it? Or how about cancer? Margaret talked about that last week. It's not fair. Why do some people get it and some don't? Why do some survive and some don't? CNN released a report um, or a study here just recently this year, two-thirds of cancers are completely unexplainable. What's going on? It doesn't make sense. A wife comes home to her cheating husband. Two boys walk into a school and start shooting people. I know somebody whose baby just passed away one day after his one-year-old birthday party. Talk about not fair. Talk about not fair. How about death? I mean, some people, lit, well, actually, somebody just passed away the other day, and they were 117 years old. Woo, that's almost as old as Bob Fugler. Anyway, but some people live to 120, some people live to 50, some to 30, some die even before they're born. My wife and I had um, two miscarriages over the last few years. And with the second pregnancy, we, we went in for the appointment, and 
we heard a heartbeat. And we were so excited and we were so happy, so hopeful. You know, we're having a baby together. Four weeks later, we went into the next appointment. No heartbeat. It just, you're mad and sad and disappointed. The, ba- the baby died. And then you're like, God, what? Why? We just want to have a baby together. Why did you take this baby from us? Doesn't your word say that you knit them together perfectly in the womb? It's confusing. It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't seem fair. It's really, you know, it's like, really, God? You're in control? Why would you let this happen? I started saying, God, where are you? I started saying, how is death ever a part of your plan and goodness? Pastor Ebert, I love Pastor Ebert. He's our Peruvian pastor. He comes a lot of Sunday mornings. He's got a church that he uh, pastor, uh, that he's a pastor at uh, down the street. He's also a Peruvian pastor, so he's always doing stuff uh, down in Peru. And in fact, he's the guy that we're going with down to Peru in March, in spring break of next year. Um, and we'd love to have you come. But we're doing a, a VBS mission trip next year, and we're going down with Pastor Evert. You know, let me know if you want to go. But you know what he always tells me? He always says this. He's like, brother, brother, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Really? Really? All the time? Are you sure? I really started to doubt it after the second miscarriage. We thought we did everything right. We kept ourselves pure for three years while we were dating. We got married, then we started trying to have a baby. And if we're not supposed to have a baby together, why is that desire in our hearts? God never promises us that life is going to be fair, go as planned, or even make sense. Our plans are not always God's plans. Our lives are often going to look like this. Your plan, God's plan. And don't we just want everything to be easy and to go as planned? Don't we often want to look, you know, look or have the path of least resistance? But that's just not how life works. In Genesis, we can read about Joseph's life. Joseph's brothers hated him because he was favored by his dad, Jacob. And Joseph had some dreams, and then he told, you know, these dreams to his brothers, and then they hated him even more. Joseph's brothers plotted to kill him. So you can, right now you can pull out your Bibles, your, uh, like Margaret said, your uh, Bible app on your phones, or you can look up here on the screens. This is in Genesis 37, 23 through 24. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Imagine what Joseph was thinking and feeling. He was thrown into his well because his dad loved him more and he was telling his brothers about these dreams that he was having. He probably thought, this isn't fair. This isn't right. 
And you know what? And his story gets even worse. He is sold into slavery. Then he is sold to Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife accuses him of raping her. And then he is put in prison. The story goes on. And eventually his dreams are told to Pharaoh. And the entire land of Canaan, including his family, survives a severe famine. I'm sure at times, even though it's not recorded in Scripture, Joseph thought, God, where are you? Why are you allowing these bad things to happen to me? Why am I sitting at the bottom of this empty well? Why am I in prison? Why did I get accused of making advances towards Potiphar's wife? I'm sure he was tempted to say, so, this is what I get? for following you? I love how Joseph stayed faithful to God, even though at times life was tough and seemed unfair. So Joseph was sold in slavery at about uh, age 17. And now we're going to look at Genesis 50, 18 through 21, where Joseph is now 49 years old. So 32 years have passed. So this is Genesis 50, 18 through 21. It's absolutely amazing. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph, wow. You talk about amazing faith. Do we ever go through life's difficulties and sufferings and look back and say, oh, you know, I see what God was doing now. See, life, this side of heaven, at times is going to seem unfair, not make sense. At times we might get a glimpse of God's plan, but often it's going to leave us confused. Why? Our minds are finite and God is infinite. Where are we going to turn when life throws us curveballs? Are we going to turn to nothingness or despair, depression or vices? Or are we going to turn our eyes to a loving God who knows us, who loves us, who we can trust? He knows what he's doing and he has a plan. That's right. No matter what we're going through right now, God has a plan and is in control. He never promises that life is going to be fair, but he promises that he'll always be there for us and that he'll eternally and unconditionally love us. He does promise that. Joseph remained faithful to God through it all, and God used him even in the midst of disappointment. In the end, Joseph realized that God was in control all the time, and that God's plan was being worked out, even though it didn't seem to make sense. Who are we to doubt his timing, his plan, we are his children and his beloved, and he loves us. So we're going to be setting ourselves up for failure if we don't, one, realize 
Life's not fair. Number two, remember, God is in control. Now, I know already what all of you are thinking. You're like, Ryan is only at point two, you know? The next ones are a little bit shorter. Dave Beatty said, Ryan, I know you're going to do great this week. Just cut it in half. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave, a lot. You know, I'm notorious for long sermons. Um, you know, when my own dad brings in pizza, or actually, some of you probably got candy today. That's, that's from my family. They're just being little stickers. Um, you know, and why are they doing that? Because I'm known for my long sermons. We usually get out around, you know, one or two in the afternoon. Um, let's just say I've heard the cries of my people, and I will not be preaching for 40 minutes today, don't you worry. I will stick to the 30 minutes, and if I go to 35, it's all right. You've got candy. Just eat it, you know? Just relax. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Um, so God knows what he's doing, and he has a plan. And at times, it's going to seem tough to believe this. Sometimes I have to remember Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Just because, just because at times we can't understand his ways or why he does or doesn't allow certain things to happen doesn't mean he isn't perfect and just. Do you think my kids understand or agree with everything that I do? They often don't and or can't see the big picture. You know, think about it this way. God is putting together a huge, like, jigsaw puzzle. And you and me and us, we're just a few pieces in this big puzzle. And maybe we can see a, a few of the pieces around us, but we're a part of something bigger. At times, we have to trust without knowing God's big picture. In God's big picture, he has a time and a season for everything. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11. And I thought this was a Beatles song, but I think it's a, a bird song. Uh, I'm not sure. But they, they got this song, or they got the lyrics for this song in scriptures in Ecclesiastes. And it's awesome. A time for everything. There is a time for everything. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, time to die, a time to plant, time to uproot, a time to kill, a, uh, uh, to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to mend, a time to tear, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God is doing from beginning to end. I don't know about you, but some of these things I like and some of them I don't like. You know, when you look at the, the born, the heal, 
to laugh. I mean, that's fun to dance. I mean, sitting watching these girls dance before God, I mean, that's just awesome and beautiful. The dance, the speak, those things, those things are nice. Yeah, I like those. Now, there's some things I don't like, and there's a season for it. Die, kill, weep, hate, war. How do we know what good is without bad? How about the satisfaction of being full without feeling hungry? How do we appreciate life without uh, death? Or I have a Colorado one. How much better is summer when we get through winter? Amen. Get through that winter. Verse 11 is so powerful to me. God is allowing us to have a sense of time, but at the same time, not understanding what God is doing with it. Maybe right now, you don't like the season that you're in. Maybe life doesn't seem fair or make sense. I'll tell you what, someday when we're in heaven, his plan will make sense and be clear. But for now, we have to live in the uncomfortableness or let's say the tension of the land of in-between. And you know what that is? Life. You know, God, we heard your heartbeat. Why did you take them away from us? And I don't know. I still don't understand it. It's hard to wrap my mind around death. We brought death into this world. The Bible says God doesn't want anyone to perish, but at the same time, death is a part of life. And then you look at Job, and Job allowed, I'm sorry, God allowed Job to have all these bad things happen to him. I don't know. It gets confusing. You're just like, what? We will drive ourselves crazy trying to understand God's plan. The miscarriages, you know, thinking those things through. It's like, well, it's because, it's because of the chromosomes. They weren't dividing properly. No, it's because of the sin in the world. No, it's because of um, the vitamins or the medication she was taking. No, it's because it's a fallen world. No, it's because of Satan. I, I don't know. I just have to stop. But I'm going to turn to God in my sadness, confusion, anger, and look to him to give me peace and comfort for my soul. We have to remember, when bad things happen to us or a loved one, God is right there. You know, the footprints in uh, the sand poem, you know, it's like there were two tracks, now there are only one. Well, God, God carries us. God's right there with us and for us, especially when we're struggling and going through life's sufferings. You know, I wish that my kids could never have anything bad happen to them or ever experience any pain, but that's not possible or reasonable or realistic. Lane, the other day, he turned too quickly on his bike in this driveway and crashed and there was blood everywhere, you know, and he was experiencing a lot of pain. And I couldn't stop him from falling, falling over, but I could be there for him in his suffering. I could be there for him. When I am weak, he is strong. We have to remember that. 
Are you looking for answers for the pain and the sufferings you have gone through in your life? You may or may not get them this side of heaven. Life is difficult. The first 17 years of my life, I wasn't a Christian, and life was difficult. I became a Christian right there in that parking lot. You know, Brett Gothier talked to me on the bus. We're headed to a concert, and I, I, I gave my life over to Christ 20 years ago, and guess what? Life has still been difficult. It's still difficult, but it's, it's a different kind of difficult. Now I know and I can trust that God is in control, that he loves me, that he created me, that he's got a, a, a reason, a plan, a purpose, a season for everything. God also, as Romans eight twenty eight reminds us, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his plan. God causes all things to work together for good, even things that don't seem to be good, such as hardships and suffering. Notice the promise doesn't say that God causes all things or that all things are good. God does, however, cause all things to work for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God somehow crazy way, permitted Joseph's circumstances and then used them for good. I may walk through the desert, but I know I'm headed toward the promised land. I may walk through the desert, but I know God is drawing me, if I allow him, to drawing me to be closer to him, to grow me, to change me, to teach me character and perseverance. It helps me to appreciate the good times. It reminds me that I'm weak and needy and it reminds me to look upward. When life doesn't seem to make sense, when life seems to be unfair, when we're walking through the desert, we have to remember God has a plan, a purpose, and a reason. See, we have to remember how big God is. I mean, he set everything in motion. He is the creator of all, the designer of every atom and, and, and proton. And, and look, when, you, when we watch those, uh, pray, that praise video song, all those mountains and the, the, just the beauty and the, the majesty of all of creation and, and the earth and the galaxies. And he put earth to be at the right like axis and to go around. I mean, it's all designed by him. He is the master designer, creator, and engineer. He is competent and he knows what he is doing. He is orchestrating a masterpiece. And sometimes we just have to have faith that everything is going to work out just the way he intended it. Some of the worst things that have happened to me in my life have turned out to be some of the best things that have ever happened to me in my life. Some bad things happened to Joseph, but he was able to learn, grow, and use his life experiences to help others. Which brings me to point number three. And look, I mean, I have plenty of time, 1136. 
geez, just enjoy that candy or get some breath mints, you know, to get a couple calories. We're going we're gonna to be just fine here. No, I'll get you out on time. So, so bring me to that third point. One is realize life's not fair. Two, remember God is in control. And three, 